So, um, we'll get started with the with our message tonight. Last week we started um, we started our series on the uh, I guess our end time series is what you want to call it. And um, you know we looked at the introduction to the rapture last week. We we started just touching a little bit of of uh, you know um, uh, the rapture and what that is and the definitions of it and different things. And we did watch. Uh, we watched the uh, end of days update, and I've got the new one this week. Uh, if you hit that, uh, if you just hit that Internet Explorer icon down there, yeah, there you go. And then you'll have to come over here and hit play. We'll watch. Uh, we'll watch this. You just have to move your mouse all the way over to the left. Sometimes it's hard to. Let me look at it right quick. We'll, we'll play this real quick, and then uh, we'll talk about it. Welcome to this week's End of Days update coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had such a great time last week in Boise. Gosh, we got into the church and then spoke in the school. Had a wonderful time. We're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord, specifically the gathering of nations for the Ezekiel 38 war, because the rapture is signless, but the second coming has tons of signs. So every week we look at what's happening around Israel that points to that, and specifically because Jesus said, hey, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour of visitation. So he warned us to know. And people go, why do we need to get into end times? It's to produce great joy and great strength and great acceleration. Uh, as you see the finish line, you always run faster, not slower. So the whole purpose of end time preaching is for us to see how close we are so that we'll hustle and get as many people born again as we possibly can. So it's uh, not how to... Uh, people are like, okay, well, how do I fit church in my life? No, you don't fit church into your life. It is your life. So let's look at all these things. We're such a blessed generation to, to watch the setup for the coming of the king to the earth. So let's pick up on what's happened this last week. Obviously, it's some more clashes in Gaza on the southern part of Israel with the fire balloons and the bomb balloons that got sent across. Israel retaliated last week. This is probably the biggest deal in Israel this last week. There was a firebomb at the Temple Mount. Remember, we talked about the Golden Gate had been closed for a while, then it got reopened, a Palestinian brought a firebomb in. And uh, so the, the Temple Mount got closed yesterday for a little while. It just got reopened again. I, I'm pretty sure you can almost count on, the Bible says Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling for all nations. It'll be over that Temple Mount. It is interesting. You can go up on the Temple Mount in the Dome of the Rock. It says in Arabic in a circle, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Because there is a Son of God's name, Jesus. So with that, you have a lot happening, even to the point that, remember, Jordan technically has the oversight of the Temple Mount. So King Abdullah from Jordan flew yesterday to America to talk to a U.S. delegation about what to do about the Temple Mount. Now, Israel's not doing anything wrong. They closed the Golden Gate for a while because the Palestinians had some architectural groups that were tearing some things up, and they said, no, no, let's just shut this down. So. England, or my dog, even said to shut it down, too. <laughs> but uh, Israel's trying to walk that fine line. I, I talked about it last week. Uh, you know, you you got four synagogues on the Temple Mount, but a Jewish man can't go up there and pray, so it's ridiculous. So, so much is happening. And probably the main thing that happened that really alerted me this week was, remember last week I talked about Iran sent three regiments to the border of the Golan Heights. 
So this week, America bolstered up more troops in Iraq just for this purpose itself. It even put its other troops on high alert. So the U.S. sent more troops to Iraq in case Iran tries to invade the Golan Heights. Now, that's pretty radical. So you've got America ready for that. On, on top of that, you've got Syria saying right now that they're going to go in and, and take over the Golan Heights. <laughs> now, the Golan Heights got won back in the Six Day War in 1967, and they call it disputed territory, but it's Israel's territory. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham this week put forth a bill showing that the Golan Heights were not disputed territory, but they're Israel's territory. Syria this last week said they're going to invade the Golan Heights. Iran has three regiments of troops on the edge of the Golan Heights waiting to go in there again. So uh, the U.S. has got forces ready for that. So it's just kind of interesting that everything keeps pointing to the real estate of Israel. <laughs> so you have more happening, though. You had Russia this last week uh, clamp down on its Internet, put on some new laws to confine its Internet in, in Russia so they don't have as much freedom as they used to have. A bill came out this last week in Russia saying if you disrespect the government, they'll put you in jail for 15 days. Pretty crazy because it's a huge deal that Russia is going to come down and t- attack Israel. So in the midst of all that, you've got Turkey saying they're getting their delivery of their S-400 missile defense system. So Turkey and Russia are jointly going into Syria right now to, to kind of be a buffer on the north. When this two weeks ago, you had our, our delegation with Turkey talking about how to be a buffer on the north. So, man, you have a lot of jockeying position in areas where the Bible calls the Assyrian comes from. And the Bible says the Antichrist would be called the Assyrian. So we, we're watching all the setups. Many, many, many more things keep happening. It's just ballistic the amount of anti-Semitism that keeps happening every week. It's probably... Uh, bizarre to see the increase, even from last year and the year before. I mean, it's just blatant right out in front of everybody. And it's funny to see, even in our own country, in the U.S., see the radical anti-Semitism and other groups not even condemn the anti-Semitism. So you got people talking about abortion, saying it's okay to kill children. Just kind of a crazy time right here before the coming of the Lord. And remember, for the world, it's horrible news, but for the church, wonderful news. There is no bad news for the church. I had a guy say to me, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's exactly right. It's the hope that purifies us even as we're pure. So, so many things are happening. But let's go to the scripture and look at the signs. But each week, it's hard to even cover everything that's happening now in one end of day's update. But right now, you look at the scripture. The Bible says, Jesus said in Luke 21, the generation that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem won back. He said that generation won't pass away till all is fulfilled. I hear people try to wiggle their way out of that. That's pretty plain. That's pretty exact, pretty concise. The group of people that sees those two events, you're it. So that's us. Whether people are comfortable with that or not, that's just too bad. That's us. So then after that, you've got the Hebrew language restored because God said right before the coming of the Lord, he would do that. Then you've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back in our lifetime because God said he would do this right before the coming of the Lord. Then you have the revival of the Roman Empire happen in our lifetime. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. It's just amazing all the things that are happening. You've got the Temple Mount Institute that's ready to start having sacrifices. They dedicated the altar this last year and didn't get arrested. Last year, they got arrested doing that. Same thing. So all these groups are in position for the coming of the Lord. You even got 172 different species of predatory birds. I mean, you got the cleanup crew in Israel because right after the Ezekiel 38 war, God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. Seven years later, calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up again. So you got the cleanup crew in Israel. Remarkable, and they have to eat something. So that that's wild in itself. You got Russia in Crimea, Russia in the Ukraine, Russia all over Syria. 
So you got all these groups in position for the coming of the Lord. Pretty radical. So what's the church do? Man, we help our local church, help our local pastor. If all these groups that are not born again could be in position, think how much more the church should be in position. So many, many, many other signs. You have fish showing up in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel prophesied that. You have a red heifer that was born on the land. Uh, the, the remarkable thing is that everything God said you'd see right for the coming of the Lord, you're watching it right in front of your eyes. So the, the the fun thing is is we have good news. We can we can shout out to this generation. You're about to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How blessed are we that Jesus is just about to come back? Wow! Think about it. All of a sudden, we're going to see eyes of the flame of fire, feet like unto fine brass, voice of many waters. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, coming back. Man, the signs are all here. Let's get in position. Get in position. Do what you need to do because Jesus is about to come back. So let's accelerate. And have a great time obeying God just before he comes. Have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. We'll pick up with everything that's come. Colleen and I want to thank you for watching every week. It is absolutely crazy how many watch the broadcast. But we're so privileged to get to see the setup of the return of the king. Have a blessed week. Do what? Yeah, this was, his, this was today. Yeah, yeah. He, he comes out every Wednesday with a, with a new update. So, um, yeah. So that was as of as of this this afternoon. So when he when he taped that, um, it's interesting. You know, I love I love what, the one thing he said there. He said that he said all these groups. He said if all these groups are preparing that are ungodly, how much more should the godly be prepared? You know, all these groups are on the border and on the this that and the other and doing all these things. How much more should we be? You know, the church. Jesus said that you know that that we you know that day shouldn't take us as unaware you know I mean so um, so it's really cool stuff so we're going to get into tonight we're going to get into the rapture and uh, hey just hit uh, move your mouse back over to the right all the way over to the right and then hit that little uh, the the blue triangle down there on the bottom you see it yeah there you go that'll that'll get that back up there okay all right. So, uh, so we're, you can turn the lights back on. We're, I'm through with that, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Kenneth. Let's open up to John 14. We're going to talk tonight about the events of the rapture. And I've got a, I've got a handout I'll, I'll give you. And um, well, Let's see, I kept one of them. I'll get, Kenneth, if you'll hand those out for me. I appreciate it, brother. <clears throat> this is, uh, we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture tonight. And, um, you know, we, as we talked about last week, as we started sharing that, uh, you know the the rapture, the word rapture doesn't appear uh, doesn't appear in the church or in the Bible as far as it saying you know the church is going to be raptured. But uh, you know he he always says that the that there's more there's more signs uh, you know the, the the rapture is signless, but the second coming has more signs than even the first coming. And what we do we you know and and the thing that I, that we have you have to understand is you have to ask yourself because for so long. You know, when I heard about end time, when when I heard about end times preaching and ministering, um, I never heard about you know like one of the classic is always always you know he's talking where Jesus gives the parable about one will be in the field and one taken, one will be on the or two will be in the field and one taken, two on the roof and one taken. And I always heard that was concerning the rapture, but but you know like like Joseph teaches and other and other Perry Stone and, and a lot of the end times guys, you know you have to know. And you have to you have to look at and understand who he's talking to, because he was not talking to the church there. He was actually talking to the Jewish people who 
the Jewish people will be left, the ones that don't believe, they will be left here for the tribulation. And that, that is actually when he was talking about that parable, and we'll look at that. We won't look at it tonight because we're looking at the rapture. But, but everything when, he was, when Jesus was talking to the, about the Jewish people, and most of what Jesus talked about was to the Jewish people because, he was, because at, at the time that Jesus was talking, the church wasn't in existence yet. You know, I mean, Jesus had his disciples, but it wasn't until Acts 2 that the church actually got started and, and, you know, that the church age began. And, you know, so Jesus was always talking, most of the time when he was talking, he was talking to the Jewish people who, you know, for the Jewish people, it's totally different than for the Christian about what's going to happen at the end times. So, so when, you, when you read Scripture, you know, you have to make sure you understand who the audience is and who, who he's talking to and and what he and you know and 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 uh, you know who and the main thing is who he's talking to, right? For example, here in John chapter fourteen, um, and this is a, this is a scripture that um, that you know I know all of you know this, but Jesus here was talking to his disciples, right? He was talking. These were some of the last instructions he gave to his disciples. Well, who are his disciples? His disciples are one ones that as soon as he as soon as he leaves the earth. They're going to become born again, you know. I mean, they're they're part. They're, they were the start of the church, and here's what Jesus said. Now, just hang on to your uh, hang on to this. Don't look. Don't be reading that while I'm while I'm teaching here, because I mean, because I'll just I'll explain this. But I mean, but you know, um, as we look at this, we'll explain it as we read these scriptures. But just but just know, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he said this in John 14 verses one through three. Jesus said this. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now look at verse 3. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The Amplified says this. uh, The Amplified says, And when... Or when or if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself. That word "take you" and that and in the King James it says "receive you." It's the same word that in Thessalonians where he talks about you know that the church will be called away. That's the very same thing. And, and that scripture tells us he was telling the church that he's going to prepare a place, and when it's when he's ready, then he'll come back and take the church to go back to be with him. So he was talking to he was talking to his disciples here and this and, and to be honest with you I never really put that scripture uh, I never really looked at that scripture as a scripture talking about the rapture but when you when you look at it and when you look at the original language in that you see that those that word where he says and I will receive you or the amplified says I will take you that is the that is a picture of the rapture that he said, when, when, when your place is, when heaven is ready, I'm going to come and take you. I'm going to come and rapture you. And the King James says, receive you. But what does that mean? That, that means that, that we're going to be going up and he's going to receive us. Amen. I mean, that's a, a perfect picture of, of the rapture. Now turn over to 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read all three of these scriptures and then we're going to come back and we'll look at our handout here this, uh, that I gave you tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We actually looked at this one last week, but... For the sake of um, for the sake of our teaching tonight, we'll look at it again in First um, Thessalonians chapter four, and we'll just look at verse uh, uh, we'll just look at verse thirteen again, and thirteen down through the bottom of the chapter in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. 
he says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, here again, now, you know, he called them, now notice who he's talking to. He's, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. So he's talking to the church here again. He's talking to, you know, this is Paul, actually, but he's talking to brethren which are born again. You know, he's talking to the church, okay? So he says, these are born again people. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those that are asleep, or we understand that that means that, that have passed away. He says, concerning those that are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. Now, and we ask the question, we use this scripture a lot in, in uh, uh, funerals, but, you know, because, because, you know, who has no hope? It's the ones that aren't born again. Why don't they have hope? Because they'll never see their loved ones again. If you, if you are a Christian and, and, and your loved one is a Christian and they pass and, and they die before you, then you have the hope of knowing that one day you'll see them again. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, now, brothers and sisters, he said, he said you have a hope. And he said, I don't, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't sorrow like the world sorrows because you have a hope. And watch that hope. Actually, the whole chapter here, he's talking about, you know, the whole book, really. He's talking about the, the coming of the Lord, the coming of Jesus. And, you know, because if you remember, 1 Thessalonians was one of the first books that Paul wrote. They thought that they were already in the tribulation period. As a matter of fact, when you get into 2 Thessalonians... Paul wrote the second letter to Thessalonians, and he was, they, were, they were for sure that they were in the tribulation period there. And in 2 Thessalonians, and I think we may get to that scripture tonight, but in 2 Thessalonians is the scripture where Paul tells them, he said, listen, he said, he said the, the one that is restraining the Antichrist is still here, and until the restrainer leaves, the Antichrist will not be revealed. And he was talk, who was he talking about? He was talking about the church. He was talking about us. You know, the power is really, in, in, in the scope of things, he was talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. But, but you know, but we are, the church is what's holding, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is what's holding the Antichrist from being exposed. And the Antichrist can't be exposed until when? Until the church leaves. You know, so, so the whole book of First and Second Thessalonians, one of the main things, there's m multiple things in it, but one of the main things is he's talking about the end times. Verse 14, he goes on to say this, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the, arch, the archangel and, and with the, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's that word, shall be caught up. It's the same, the same terminology as was used in John 14 when Jesus said, I'll receive you to myself. It's the same picture, the same terminology. He says, the, and he says, those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. As a matter of fact, just turn over to Second Thessalonians. I teased you with that verse. We'll look at it, and I'll show this to you. Look at uh, verse number uh, or chapter number two. And we'll just read, read this right quick. Let me find it right quick here. <clears throat> um, 
let's see. We'll just look at. We'll just start reading in verse one because it all ties in, and, and it'll be real quick here. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. He says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him." Now, remember, they they think the the Thessalonians have the mindset because they were being persecuted heavily. You know, this was the time when the church was being heavily persecuted. They were being killed. They were being tortured. Um, and they, they really and truly thought that they were in the tribulation period. So Paul is writing to them again, and, and he says that here in a second, that, you know, he reminds them that he, he's already told them this once. And, and really, that's the reason that Paul left Thessalonica was because of a riot. You know, they started rioting, and he had to leave Thessalonica to save his life. And, you know, so they thought, after, even after he wrote the first letter to them, they thought that they were truly in the tribulation period now. So Paul is writing the second uh, letter to them, and he tells them, he says, you know, he says, I beseech you by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That word gathering together is the same word that he used in chapter 4 about the catching away. He said, so he's like, you know, we're, we're going to be gathered together, but it's not yet. You know, we're still here. He said, it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And then verse 2, he says, That you not be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by the letter as from us, as that day of, of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except... Now here's, now here's what here's, Paul was saying, that, that the Lord is not going to come back until these things happen. He says... He says, there, uh, for the, he said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Now, he's talking about the second coming here. He's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about the second coming of the Lord. He said that, he said that day won't come until, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist. He says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now we know, and we'll, we'll get into this as we get into the tribulation period, but what's going to happen, the first three and a half years of the tribulation period are going to be, really the first three and a half years of the tribulation period is when the Antichrist is really torturing the church, and they're, they're going to be coming against the church. It's going to be the first three and a half years are bad because there's a lot happens in that and a lot of people die and a lot of a lot of destruction happens. But at the midpoint, at the three and a half year point, then that is when the Antichrist will will set up a statue to himself in the temple and declare himself God. And if you don't worship him, he you know he will kill you. And so so that's when everything turns. Everybody you know everybody kind of likes this guy up until. You know, all this stuff starts happening, and then it culminates right at the midpoint, and then he sets himself up as God, and then that's when, that's when the last three and a half years is actually the wrath of God being poured out. And, you know, so the last three and a half years, um, you know, and actually the, the Bible calls it the, the Great Tribulation, and that's the last three and a half years. So uh, that's, that's when the wrath, God pours his wrath out on, uh, you know, on on the Antichrist and, on, and really on, on the Jewish people for not believing, on those that don't believe, on all of them that don't believe. But, but you know, so that, that is what he's talking about here. But then look at verse number 5. He goes on to say this. He says, Remember ye not that when I was with you, when I was yet with you, I told you these things. 
And now you know. Now here, here's the verse. Listen to this. And now you know that withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now that word, you know, words change in time, right? The word let, uh, you know, for us the word let means to permit, like I let you do this. But actually in biblical times, in the day that this was written, the word let actually meant to restrain. If they let something, they restrained it. So here, if you, if you do the word study and see and, and go back and look at this, what, he's, what that verse says, and I believe the, let me see if the Amplified actually says it this way. The Amplified says in verse 7, he says, For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority, is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. So he said, listen, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work, but it's being restrained right now. And he said it's going to be restrained until he who, who restrains it is taken out of the way. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about the church. He was telling them, you're not out of the way yet. You're not, you know, God hasn't removed you, so you're not in the tribulation period. Because what he was telling them was this, that the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church is taken out of the way. And as soon as the church is taken out of the way, the Antichrist will be revealed, the tribulation period will start, and then, and then you'll start seeing um, you know, everything that we read about in Revelations start to unfold. Um, you know, and it's interesting because in Revelation, in, in Revelations like 1, 2, and 3, you see, um, you know, especially in chapters 2 and 3, you see the seven letters to the churches. And then after chapter 3 is when, when John gets called, he gets called up into heaven in that vision, but from chapters 4 through chapters, uh, I think it's 18 or 19, the whole, the whole midsection, the biggest part of Revelation, from chapter 4 to chapter like 18 or 19, the church is never mentioned again. And the reason it's not mentioned is because everything that's talked about from Revelation 4 to Revelation 7, or 18 or 19 is what happens during the tribulation period. And the reason the church is not mentioned is because the church is not here. <laughs> you know, and then, but the Bible does talk about what happens to the church and what we'll be doing during that time, and that's what we'll—that's what we're going to look at a little bit tonight. We'll get into some of it, and then we won't be able to get into all of it, but but we will get into some of it. So that was two of the scriptures I wanted to look at, and let's look at First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and then we'll go. We'll look at our uh, handout here. First Corinthians fifteen. And this is another passage we use. Uh, you know, we use it at funerals. I'm, I'll probably end up using it tomorrow as, as I uh, minister in Terry's funeral. But notice what Paul said here to the Corinth church, to the church at Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, it's interesting. I was reading something today about this, and I hadn't... And, and, uh, and I hadn't got all the revelation on this, and I'll, I'll have, I want to dig deeper into this, but... There's actually like 12 mysteries that, that, are, that are talked about in the Old Testament that the New Testament reveals. You know, there's, there's, there's concepts and there's thoughts and there's things that the prophets prophesied about that they had no idea what they were talking about. But yet, in the New Testament, it's revealed... You know, to us, remember Paul talked about that. Paul said, he said, you know, he says in times past this was a mystery. But he said, but now it's being revealed to us. 
You know, it, the Holy Spirit was one of those. You know, when the, and, and salvation was one of those. When the, when the prophets of old talked about God taking the heart of stone out and putting a heart of flesh in, and that he was, he was going to create a house to live in, they had no idea what they were talking about. How, you know, because their, their concept of God was he lives in the Ark of the Covenant, and man, anytime, you know, if you got near the Ark of the Covenant and you weren't, Saint, or you weren't cleansed and you weren't prepared, you died. You know, uh, Uzziah, when he, the, the, they were moving the ark, when David was bringing the ark back to, to Israel and back to the camp, you know, the, the, the oxen stumbled and the ark was about to fall. And all this guy did was reach up and steady the ark so it didn't fall off the cart. And when he touched the ark, God killed him because he touched, because an unholy thing touched a holy God. And so their picture of God was this holy God that you just didn't come near. They, it was so sacred that they wouldn't even write His name. You know, they, they, I mean, they wouldn't even write the vowels in His name. They would, they would leave the vowels out and just write the consonants because, they, because it was that holy to them. But yet here they are prophesying about a day that God is going to come and live on the inside. And they couldn't fathom it. That's in other part, other portions in the in the New Testament. It says that the prophets the prophets longed for the day that we're living in. Could you imagine that? And I always say this anytime I read that scripture. I think of us when we get to heaven. I think I think you know we we always talk about wanting to go see Moses and wanting to see. And of course, we want to see Jesus too. But but I'm saying about all the other prophets. We want to go see Elijah and and, and Moses and. And, you know, Abraham and all these guys. But, you know, they're going to come running up to us saying, what was it like to have God living on the inside of you? We never experienced. You must have had, man, your life must have been incredible. God was living on the inside. He never left you. He was with you all the time. What was it like? You know, and most of us are going to be going, well, well, we barely got by, you know. I didn't know whether I was going to make it or not, you know. No, I mean, you know, I mean, but they're going to look at us like, what are you talking about? You know, it was mystery to them. But for us in the New Covenant, it's been revealed. And here, this, this is the mystery of the rapture, the mystery of the coming of Christ. I mean, this is what Paul said. He said, listen, he said, I show you a mystery. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So Paul told him, he said, listen, he said, some of you, some of, some of you that are hearing this and reading this, he said, he said, all of you aren't going to die. He says, but we're all going to be changed. Now, why do we have to be changed? Because of the very thing that I just talked about that, you know, the Bible says, the Bible says that, that natural man cannot see God and live. You know, when, when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory, what did God do? God said, I'll have to hide you in the cleft of the rock and just show you just a glimpse of myself. You can see my backside, but you can't see me. You know why? Because he was, he's a holy God, and, and things that are not pure, purely holy cannot, cannot live in that presence. Well, the reason that we have to be changed is because we're going to be living with him forever. In His presence, I mean literally, in the presence of God. Now, He lives on the inside of us, and we're reborn, we're recreated, and our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm talking about is actually living in His very presence. And, and our bodies are going to be changed from this natural carnal body, and we're going to, get, we're going to put on a, a heavenly body. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He says this, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for that trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. We, we use this scripture uh, Sunday. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that you are labor, that all your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul said this. He said, he said listen, there's coming a time when, when he comes back. When he comes back for us, this body, we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And this corrupt body, this, this mortal body is going to put on immortality. And this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. In other words, we're going to, be, we're going to have the perfect body. Our spirits right now are perfect. When God sees us, the Bible says when he sees us, our spirit, the, 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 the Word of God tells us that our spirits are sealed. That our spirit, even when, when, when we sin in this outer body, the inner, our, our inner self, the spirit man, the real you, the real me, we don't sin. We're sinless. But this outward body is still living, I mean, we're still flesh and we, we still make mistakes. But there's coming a day at the coming of the Lord, when, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, Paul said here, when, when that last trump is blown and, and we're caught up together with Him in the air, we're, our bodies will be changed. And, and at that moment, our bodies will match our spirits and we'll be perfect without sin, without, without any corruption or mortality at all. Hallelujah. And then we'll, we're going to go and live with Him forever. Now, what happens? Let's look, let's look real quick at your handout here. There's 15 things here that talks about the events of the rapture. And we, we looked at all these scriptures, so we won't take the time to read them again. But we'll just read over this and talk about it just real quickly. So, so at the end of the church age, whenever, you know, and, and we're going to get more into the timing of this uh, probably next week, or actually next week, Brother Lonnie will be with us, so it'll be the week after that. We'll, we'll kind of get into the timing and then get into uh, a couple of these things that we talk about in here that we're just going to touch on tonight because there's some things that happens. The church is going to be, <clears throat> the church is going to be raptured. Excuse me. The church is going to be raptured at the beginning of the tribulation period. As soon as the church, it's almost like as soon as the church is raptured, the clock starts. And there's going to be seven years of a tribulation period. And during that seven years, we're not just, we're not just up there floating on uh, clouds playing harps. There's actually some things that, that we're going to be doing as the church in heaven, in, in the presence of the Lord. There's things that, will, that we will be going through and then that will prepare us for the second coming so we can come back with him to rule and to reign on the earth. So, and we're gonna, we'll get into that the, the next time. And this touches that, and we'll see that. So, so the first thing, it says, The Lord himself will descend from the Father's house where he is preparing a place for us. We saw that in John 14. He said, If I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back and receive you. I'm going to come back and take you with me. In other words, we could say it this way for, for our benefit tonight. I'm going to come back and, and I'm going to rapture the church. That word rapture, remember we looked at that last week, means a snatching away, a taking by force. In other words, it's going to be so quick that, you know, it's, I mean, they're not even going to know what happened. 
It's not like they're going to stand there and watch his gaze, you know, going up in the air. Because the Bible says it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, as fast as you can bat your eye, we're gone. We're caught up into, into the air with the Lord and, then, and where we'll forever be with Him. The second, number two here, says He will come again to receive us unto Himself. We saw that. He will resurrect first. He will resurrect those who have fallen asleep in Him, deceased believers whom, whom we uh, will not proceed. So, and the reason, I believe the reason that, that they go first is just so, so we don't get a head start on them. You know, because they're beneath us, right? They're in the ground. They're in, the, you know, if, if they're in ashes or whatever, you know. I mean, they're they're below us right now, so they're going to be caught up. But then, but then, as soon as they, as soon as they come through, then we're right there with them, and we're going to meet them in the air. It says the Lord will shout as He descends the loud command, and all this takes place in the twinkling of an eye. We will hear the voice of the archangel, perhaps to lead Israel during the seven years of tribulation, as He did in the Old Testament. We will also hear the trumpet call of God, and it says for the last trump for the church. And then here's an important part, because here's where some people get, some people say that the, they, they're in the, that believe in the, the uh, post-trib rapture. They, they, when they see that last trump, they call, they say that that's the last trumpet at the end of the tribulation period. Because remember, at the tribulation period, there's, there's like three sets of things that happen. First, the seals are opened. You know, there's the seven-sealed scroll, and the seven seals are opened, which releases, each time a seal's open, it releases destruction and devastation. Then the, uh, then the vials are poured out. No, then actually, actually it's the, then the trumpets are, are blown. And then the last thing that happens is the vials, the, 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 like the bowls of judgment. And so there's three different things. There's seven seals, seven trumpets, and then seven bowls that are poured out. And so, you know, so some people say that that last trump would be that seventh trumpet that's blown at the end of the tribulation period. But, but this, the last trump here, is talking about, um, there's, different, um, there's different words for the trumpets. Uh, there was different types of trumpets in the, in, the, uh, in the temple. They were silver trumpets, which, um, you know, the word for trumpet, they were silver trumpets, which were used for certain things. Sometimes the word trumpet... Uh, the word trumpet can also be translated shofar. You know, we've all seen a shofar and, and seen those blown. Sometimes when they say they blow, the blow of a trumpet, that's the blowing of a shofar. But then there's a third one that is used for the, 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 uh, the coming of a king, the announcement of a king. And it is a gold trumpet. And it's only used when the king is coming. And that word is the word that's used for the last trump. Because that last trumpet is blown, and it's called it's com the coming of a king to come get his people. So, so don't get that confused with the last trumpet at the end of the tribulation period, because that's two different things. It's not talking about the same trumpet, and we will, we'll look at we'll see that when we get into that a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper in the tribulation. Number seven: the dead in Christ will rise first. The corruptible uh, ashes of their dead bodies are made incorruptible and joined together with their spirits which Jesus brings with him. Then number eight, then we who are alive and remain shall be changed or made incorruptible by having our bodies made immortal. Number nine, we will be called up, raptured together. So we, we catch up, you know, we'll be called up together with those that are dead and then we'll be called up together with Jesus and then he takes us into, into heaven and says we'll be caught up into the clouds where the dead and the living believers will have a, a monumental reunion. We will meet the Lord in the air. Then Christ, verse, and then here's, here's something that we will get into that we'll look at in the, in the coming weeks. 
Christ will receive us to himself and take us to his Father's house, that where he is, there we may be also. And then 13 says that, and so shall we always be with the Lord, because after that, we're never separated again. You know, we're with him at this moment. Then even, even in the second coming, we come with him in the second coming. And at the end of the tribulation period, some things happen and, and, you know, the battle of Armageddon and all that happens. But we're with him. And then, and then we enter into the millennial reign and we're with him. And then all through the millennial reign, we're ruling and reigning. And then after the millennial reign, uh, then we go into eternity with him. So, you know, we're, we're never separated again. So, and, and that's you know where he says that he'll will be with always be with the Lord, verse or number fourteen not uh, number fourteen says at the call of Christ for believers, he will judge all things. So what happens here's and I'll give you just a little snippet of this. What happens when we're called up into heaven, at, and the, while the tribulation period is going on on the earth, we as the church will go through the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and and that that is you know I'd always heard of the judgment seat of Christ I'd always heard as a kid man I, I remember preachers preaching you know God's going to put on a big screen everything that you ever did and everybody will be able to see it you know so you better you better behave yourselves you know and you know as a kid you're saying oh no I don't want Mama to see what I did you know <laughs> you know and I mean but that's that's the way it's always but listen actually actually it's a, that's a horrible translation of the of what the word really means. Because really what happens, the, the word judgment, it was translated judgment, but really that word is uh, burma, is, the, is the, the, the Greek word. And actually it should have been translated, in a better translation, is the reward seat. Now there, it is a judgment because, because there's, a judge, there's a judgment in, and when we, when we, you know, we'll look at this probably the next time we, we talk about this. The, what the judgment is, it will be judging your works you know, whether they be of a pure heart or whether it's selfish motives. It's not a judgment to see whether you make it to heaven or not. It's a judgment of your works. And the Bible says that if it's wood, hay, and stubble, that the fire will, will devour it and you won't have any rewards. But if it's, if it's gold, silver, and precious metal, then it'll be purified and then you'll have the rewards. Now, what are the rewards? The rewards is what we get to bring to Jesus and lay down at his feet to say, thank you. I heard, uh, I heard Joseph Morris, I was listening to one of his messages, and he said this, he said, he said, he said, uh, he said after the judgment seat, he said, nobody wants to walk out of there just wearing a Speedo. <laughs> you know, we want to make sure we're clothed with lots of rewards, you know. He said, if you see somebody walking around with a Speedo, you know they didn't do a good job as a Christian. You know, he says, so you don't want to be walking around with a Speedo. You know, we want to be walking around with, you know, clothed in, in, in rewards. So, so anyway, so we, we go through the reward seat, and each one, we're judged for our rewards. And then after the reward seat, then we come into, we come into near the end of the tribulation period, we go through the marriage supper of the Lamb, and, and Jesus receives his bride. Now, you know, I'd always wondered, because, see, here's, here's the one thing, and, I, and I'm still learning in this, because, and, and I could be totally wrong in this, but I'd always wondered, you know, the Bible says that when Jesus receives his bride, it'll be spotless, right? And I'd always, you know, and, and I've, heard, I've heard people preach, uh, I've heard people preach, you know, that there's coming a great revival before the rapture of the church because the church has to be spotless before, before Jesus receives it. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm looking at the world, and even back years ago, I, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would look and I'd, I'd be thinking, I just, you know, I, it's hard for me to see, to see a time when the, when the church is going to be spotless. 
because because the world is getting darker and darker and darker and and times you know you just see so many people falling and so many people um, <coughs> making mistakes because we're all human right and I'd always wondered you know and just this I'd always wondered how how is the church going to be so spotless but but the Lord spoke to me this week and and I felt like and, and I've got I'm, I've got to do some more research on this and really dig into this but here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to receive his bride after the reward seat. So see, we're, all of our works are going to be purified, and we're going to come out of the reward seat perfect, you know, with all of our works and all of our rewards, and, and there'll, be no, there'll be no sin after that point. So when Jesus does receive his bride near the end of that tribulation period, we will be perfect, and we'll have all the rewards to offer him as a bride offers to her, to her groom. And, and so we'll be presented to him a spotless bride. Amen. And then after the, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, then, then we, are, we come back with him, and we come back with him as one at the end of the tribulation period. And then, and then after that, we go through, we go through, we enter into the millennial reign where we rule and reign. And we're not going to be there again, even in the millennial reign. We're not going to be, um, you know, we're not going to be just floating around on, on clouds with harps. You know, each one of us, the Bible, the Bible talks about this, and we'll, we'll see this, but it says that, that the, things that we, the things that we do, you know, we're going to continue to be doing those things. And we're going to rule and reign. And, and that's where Jesus said, he said, if you've been faithful over little, you'll be ruler over much. Well, where do you think, where do you think he's talking about? He's talking about during the millennial reign. When we're ruling and reigning over the, mortal, over the mortals that are repopulating the earth. Now, I know some of you are like, huh, what? I, I mean, I, we'll show you that. We'll, I mean, man, it's, it's pretty cool. The millenn- I, I had never heard very much teaching at all on the millennial reign, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'd always heard there's going to be a thousand years of perfection and da-da-da and all this. But, but listen, as I'm studying some of this and I'm getting more into, into, into this, the millennial reign is going to be pretty awesome. You know, and, and some of the things were that, the, that the Word says about it and... And, you know, we're, it's, it's, that's an exciting time. I can't wait to get to teach on that. So, and the Lord's teaching me because I don't, because trust me, I, I'm, that's, it's kind of new to me too, you know. So, but all of that's biblical. We'll, we, we've got scripture we can show you for that and, and you know, how, how, all that, how all that comes to, to pass. <clears throat> so number 14, at the call of Christ for believers, he will judge all things. Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, described in detail in 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll, we'll see that. This judgment prepares Christians for the last, number 15 there, the marriage of the Lamb. Before Christ returns to earth in power and great glory, he will meet his bride, the church, and the marriage supper will take place. In the meantime, after the church is raptured, the world will suffer unprecedented outpouring of God's wrath, which is labeled, which our Lord has called the Great Tribulation. And then, of course, the millennial reign. Now, here's something else interesting, and this is, uh, you know, you know, because here, cause here's something else. I'd always heard... Growing up, I'd always heard that if you miss the rapture, that there's that you'll never have another chance. You know that you had you better be ready because if, if Jesus comes back and you're not saved, you know you're done for. But actually, the reality is this: there'll be more people saved after the church leaves than there have been before before the church left. There's going to be a great there's going to be a great such a great revival. Now, just imagine you might think why. Because you just imagine that all of those people, and here's, here's what my belief is. Because I, I truly, you know, I believe anybody that is born again 
is, is going to make it in the rapture. Some people will teach that you have to be living right, you have to be, you know, you have to be looking for his return, and, and you, know, you, ha- you hear all kinds of different teaching on that. But, but really, what, what the Word says is just that you have to be born again. But now here's my thinking on this. I think that there's a large percentage of churches, and, and the, the sad fact is probably destiny is the, no different, but there's a large portion of the churches today that people that come in every Sunday and fill these seats every, every, every single week that are not truly born again. They, they come to church, they, you know, they pay their tithe, they may serve in the nursery, may serve cleaning, may serve ushering, they may do all the, all the things that everybody does, and, and, and they're truly not born again. And, you know, you see that, and listen, the Bible says you know a, you know a tree by how? By its fruit. You know, you can look at people's lives, and you can, you can pretty well tell. You know, now we're not to judge them as far as judging, you know, condemning them, but the Bible does say you know a tree by its fruit. And if you see somebody not producing fruit, you know, if you have a tree that don't produce fruit, what, what would you guess? Something's wrong with that tree. Because why? Because a tree produces fruit. That's what a tree does. As a Christian, we saw this Sunday, as a Christian, what did he say? He said he chose us. Why did he choose us? To bear fruit and to bear fruit that remains so that whatever we ask, you know, that we have. Well, if you have somebody that's not bearing fruit, then the question has to be, why? And, you know, that's a, that's a whole other story, that we'll, a whole other sermon they had to get into. But what I'm saying is this. I believe that after the rapture of the church, when people realize, when people realize that, that Jesus has come back and the evil has been unleashed, I believe that there will be a, a great outpouring of, of people running to, to the Lord. Now listen, there's going to be, see, because actually there'll be in, at the middle of the tribulation period, uh, in Revelation 9, I believe it is, or Revelation 10, 9 or 10, somewhere in there, one of the, one of the, the seals are, is open, one of the last seals is open, and it says that John looked, and underneath, underneath the, the steps of the, of the temple, he saw the souls of all those that had been, all of those that had been martyred during the tribulation period. And he said it was a multitude that couldn't be counted. Okay. Okay, I've been studying Daniel. Okay, the first six chapters of Daniel is a lesson to be learned. And everything that Daniel did or that God took Daniel through, Daniel was able to stand firm with God's protection. Mm hmm. No, because it's a different time. See, right now, right now, for us, we're living in a church age. Okay, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We we have we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have His protection. We have that. At the rapture of the church, that that's going to be gone. Now, the Holy Spirit will still be here because the Bible says that you can't be you know you can't be drawn to God except by the Holy Spirit. But the church age is going to be gone. I mean, the church age is going to stop at the end of the, the rapture, and it's going to be a new dispensation, a new, I mean, it's going to be the end times from the, the last days. So the Holy Spirit's role is going to be a little bit different. He's not going to be there to protect them because they're going to be, because the, because the church will be gone, the, the, the restraining force will be gone, so evil will be released in its full force. 
And people, and you know, in the destruction, you see that by the destruction, by the death. I mean, a third of the population will be be done away with. You know, mart- they'll be martyred, they'll be killed. They'll, you know, if they don't take the mark of the beast, they won't be able to buy or sell. I mean, all that stuff happens. And so the so that whole thing, the whole the whole picture of of how God deals with people is different during the tribulation period than it is ever before, because it it is the first three and a half years is 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 uh, the the Antichrist really wrath on the church? And we think it's bad now. We think that you know you look at what's happening even in America with all with all this stuff. I mean, you know, with all the the congressmen and all women and all that stuff that that's going on. That all these things that they're saying and doing. When 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 the church is truly when the church truly leaves, then boy, it will be unleashed. You know, and and there'll be more martyrs and more people killed in the name of the Lord than ever before. You know, so, so I mean, it's so you know, so there'll be a there'll be a, a a big outpouring of that, and then but then what the point I was getting to and where I was getting to is the millennial or in the uh, um, at the at the end of the 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 millennial reign will be a thousand years after the after the tribulation period will go into a time of a thousand years where Satan will be bound, you know, and I love that the Bible says one angel comes and grabs Satan and throws him and chains him up and throws him in the bottomless pit and he'll be chained there for a thousand years. So during the millennial reign, the thousand years, there'll be no evil. There'll be no temptation. There'll be no... I mean, it'll be, it'll be just like the Garden of Eden. But now check this out. At the end of the tribulation period, that the Bible says at the end of that thousand years that Satan will be released for a short time. And people always say, well, why is he released? Well, because anybody... That just just like anybody that's born, anybody that that ever is born into this world, they have to make a decision for Jesus. You know, in order to receive Him, they have to be willing. They have to be willing to say yes to Him and no to the devil, or no to flesh. So those people that have lived those thousand years, the mortals that have lived the thousand years, the people that enter into the tribulation period as humans, not not us as we come back, because we're going to be. I mean, you know, we'll have our glorified bodies and, and you know, that, that he's not talking about us as far as those that will be deceived. But those that are human, they have to make a decision because for that thousand years, they'll never have to make a decision for good or evil because everything is going to be good. But when Satan is released, it says that Satan goes about and he deceives so many people because, because they, they have never seen evil. And they don't know, they, you know, they just don't know. And the Bible says that there'll be a great deception. And, and the Bible says that he will have that, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken in that, that he'll have an innumerable amount of people that will believe him and will come to war against God. After a thousand years of no evil, there'll still be people that'll say no to God and that will, that will take Satan's side. And then the Bible says they, that's when the Battle of Armageddon happens. And, and you know, man, that's a whole nother... That's a whole other subject, but but the Bible says that that with with the breath of the it says that when God comes down with His breath, He defeats them with His word. I mean, man, it's a powerful thing. But then after the millennial reign, then that's when that's when the the great white throne judgment happens. Which you know, because at the rapture, the the 
At the rapture of the church is when the at the rapture is when the church is taken off the earth. At the end of the millennial reign, we have the great white throne judgment, which is when the, all of the evil people, all the people that didn't believe in Jesus, they're taken off the earth and taken to the great white throne judgment, and their 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 fate is sealed forever, and they're thrown into the lake of fire forever. And then that's when the new new Jerusalem, new heaven, and new earth comes down. And, and that's when we set up eternity and we'll live with him forever. Amen. That's a whole, that's a, that's a lot. Of, I, 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 I preached a lot tonight. <clears throat> so uh, that's a whole wild story. But anyway, so that was the events of the rapture is what we got in tonight. So any questions real quick? We got just a couple minutes. Did I confuse you or did I? <clears throat> Everybody understand? Now all y'all are end time theologians. <laughs> Cindy, you got one more? Mm-hmm. Actually, and the middle part there in that scripture where it says that they cry out and say, "When, when, you know, when are when's are you going to revenge our death?" Uh, there's there's a scripture in there that um, that really that really talks about uh, or that that insinuates that there'll be another rapture, like in the mid part of the tribulation that takes those martyrs. Out so that they so that they will be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb, because see those people that are born again even during the tribulation period they have to go to heaven so that they can go through the judgment seat and so that they can so that they can have the marriage supper with the Lamb as well. So they have to be in heaven before the end of the tribulation because the marriage supper of the Lamb is right at the end of the tribulation when we get presented to Jesus as the bride and then we come back with Him. So, so there's there's like a second rapture that that those that have been martyred are taken up, and the the Bible talks about there's a cup of their blood that's poured out, and you know that's taken up and poured out. So um, we'll, we'll see that when we get into that portion of it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The the wrath that that is poured out at the end time. I mean, and and we and we're not going to go like super in depth in that because I mean, I I I, t- I talked through the book of Revelation it took me a year, okay, and so we won't go that deep into it. But we'll we'll hit on all the all the things and and look at all the everything that happens. And I mean, it's an incredible time, you know. And and but the good news is that if you're born again, if you're if you're if you're a Christian, then we're out of here. Amen. I mean, they call it escape theology or call it, you know, whatever they want to call it, but I'm out of here. Amen. I don't want to be here to see it. Amen. So I'm, I want to be up there in heaven with Jesus. Amen. So, <clears throat> Joel. Uh, earlier, you know, before we got to first Corinthians fifteen mm-hmm. we were reading somewhere and now I can't find it. I'm looking at this trying to find it. Where, where, where first Thessalonians four. Well, we were in First Thessalonians four. Second, Second Thessalonians two. Yeah, the, the restrainer. I think it's down in verse. Uh, yeah, down in there. We're, the King, the King James says the restrainer is has to be restrained or something like that. But it's Second Thessalonians two. Well, yes, it's really the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It's holding the evil back. Right? Yes, yeah. And but but where where is the Holy Spirit? In us. He's in us. No, no I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But yes, you are right. This is really the whole, the power of the Holy Spirit was restraining restraining the Antichrist. But how does the power of the Holy Spirit work? He works through the church, through us. That's the reason. That's that's the whole thing where people say that God don't need us. Well, He really does, because He God works through us, you know. And so so He He needs us to cooperate with Him, you know, to get things done in the earth. I mean, so yes, so you are you are correct. The He that He's referring to there is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit works through the church. So it's when the church is removed, the power. <laughs> yeah, because I I didn't. Because that's that script, that reference is not in that on that paper. I, I just kind of threw that in because I mentioned it, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second Thessalonians two. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, so next week, remember Lonnie Hilton will be here. So come back and support that. Uh, Lonnie's you'll enjoy Lonnie's ministry and and his wife. They'll be here with us, and then the following week we'll get into more. Uh, we'll get into kind of starting after the tribulation and and what happens the as soon as the as soon as the rapture happens. You know what what unleashes and what happens at the tribulation, and we'll we'll start getting into that. If you have questions, write them down. Let me know, and and I'll try and answer them. I'll I'll first tell you I don't know all the answers, and by no means. Uh, so you know the Lord still still revealing things to me as well so, as he is to all of us. So Let me pray for you and then we'll go. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your uh, word tonight. Lord, you're so awesome and so wonderful and we just thank you, Father, for the revelation of, of uh, the rapture and the revelation of end times. Lord, that is not something we have to be afraid of, but Lord, it's a time that we can rejoice because, uh, because we have the answer. And Lord, uh, we need to go out and tell as many people as we can about it so uh, that the answer is Jesus, and we thank you for that. So we pray blessings on each one. Thank you for blessing, uh, Father, as the rest of the week and giving us a good rest of the week, giving us opportunities to, to be a shining light, Father, in a dark world. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.